I didn't always have integrity, and I got really burned for that. I had to learn not having integrity the hard way. I stole a sales letter and I copied it for one of our programs. That was the greatest mistake I ever made. I lost mentors. I lost respect. What is up, everyone? I'm Kyle, and I am the host and founder of the Freedom to Fail podcast and Fail Nation, a community where failing while pursuing our dreams is a positive and taking uncertain chances is celebrated. This podcast is for those who have a dream of starting a business or doing something they've always dreamed of, but have been held back by their fears. Our purpose is to share the unsuccessful stories of successful people so that you can learn how to take the first steps towards achieving your dreams. You deserve to live a life full of freedom and free of fear. Let's do this. Okay, Fail Nation, today I'm here with Dane Maxwell. How are you doing? It's my favorite place. Let's do this. Cool. So I'm actually really excited to be here with Dane because he's gone through a lot of failure in his life. Like he actually has started a lot of businesses that haven't succeeded over 10, right? Oh yeah. Oh oh yeah. I don't like failure and it doesn't stop me. The grievance I have against failure runs so deep that I'm pretty certain I don't do that same thing again. It's been the most permanent teacher. Yeah. So he's gone through a ton of failure there, but Obviously, we don't want to just only stick in failure. So he's been able to turn that around and learn from those mistakes. I sit around a table full of business owners and they're making a hundred grand per month. And none of them talk about products or their product ideas. Almost all of them talk about their customer avatar, who they're targeting. They talk about what their marketing funnels look like. If they're running webinars, if they're running launches, how many email follow-ups. Very few of them talk about product. If you get around a table full of starting entrepreneurs, they don't have anything. They're almost always talking about product. Yeah. Because to the starting entrepreneur, the product is the thing that stops you. And it's so misinformed. Because if you think about it, the product is the last thing that someone gets when they go through all of your marketing. They could see your website. They could see your videos. They could go through your sales letter. They could watch your webinar. But they don't get to the product until they've purchased Just to think about like, they don't get the product until they've gone through everything. Why not create everything else first? And then if they get all the way to the point where they try to buy the product, then you're like, oh, sorry, it's not ready yet, but we'll be ready soon. And now you know, and now you can rush and go build it. A lot of people build the product and then hope people come to it because they think that the product is what's going to make them money. But in reality, it's not. It's the whole experience that you give the customer. Instead of looking at your own business or at your own product, You need to focus outwards on what they want and put yourselves in their shoes. There's a really good book that I've read called Story Brand by Donald Miller. I don't know if you've read that one, but it's really, really cool. And it just talks about how you as a business owner need to position yourself as the guide to the customer. There's a lot of companies that on their website, for example, will say, oh, we've done this, we've done this, we've done this, trying to promote, I guess, just competence and promote how good they are as a company. But that's not what the customer is looking for. The customer is looking for how you can help them with their own problems. So instead of doing something like that on your website, you should be putting, we can help you do this. We can help you do that. Things along those lines there. So I think that's a really good insight that you have. Like the really successful people focus a hundred percent on their customer's experience. They don't focus on the product. Obviously you have to deliver a good product as well at the end, because otherwise they're not going to come back. But most people pay for the experience. I mean, you look at Apple. iPhones, yeah, they're great. I have an iPhone. But in reality, like the reason people are so passionate about Apple 
is not because of the product is just out of this world compared to all the other options. It's because of the experience that you go through. And it's because Apple does a really good job. Apple, when they first came out, their whole positioning was, we defy the norm. We help you get outside of what normalcy is. And so that message connected and resonated with so many people that they were willing to buy into Apple even when their product wasn't that good initially because they connected and resonated with the message so much. So I've created and I've had some and I had a little bit of help creating this this uh, this chart. I call it the four levels of entrepreneurial growth from beginners to minor league to major league to then the all-star category. And there's 25 or so different distinctions from how do they source their identity? What's their view of the world? Where's their focus? What's their level of action? What's their view of sales? How do they handle emotions? How do they handle setbacks? All these kind of things. And you can go through this chart and self-diagnose where you are and then see where you need to go to get to the all-star category. So one of the more common ones for someone new is their view of sales. Sales is negative, but the all-star's view of sales is that it's a noble pursuit. My favorite item on the chart is the level of unconscious humility that's present. So that's not the humility that you present to the world. We're like, oh, thanks. You're too kind. You're too kind. We're inside. You're like arrogant. Or you could say, oh, you're too kind. You're too kind. And inside you're still humble. We're talking about inner humility and inner humility can show up with, if someone says, I can't hire people because I don't think people will do as good a job as me. Uh, I'll save you the trouble. There's many people that could do it a lot better than you. But it could go to, um, would you be comfortable hiring someone to do your laundry? No, no, I got to do my laundry myself. But it could also come down to, are you willing to buy courses online that teach you what you want to know? Or do you come in and have so much pride that you don't want to purchase or invest in anything and figure it out on your own? I talked to on the phone with a guy who does $10 million per year. And his business is capped. So he wants to transition to software as a service, which is what I specialize in. So he's like, I want to scale a SaaS business because I'm capped at 10 million. I know a SaaS can go bigger. And he says this key thing to me, he says, and I know that I'm going to need help to get there. Now he's at 10 million a year, very successful. And he says to me, and I know I'm going to need help to get there. Whereas you get the starting entrepreneur and they won't really open up for help anywhere. They'll try to come up with the product idea themselves. They won't try to buy a course. I have a friend of mine and she's a, a book editor and she helps people personally get best-selling books. Then I have a friend who has a business and he has scaled a more McDonald's approach to helping people get best-selling books. He's systematized it. He'll do over $6 million this year. He's actually a student of mine, and I got the chance to be with him on the phone call before he dropped out of college. So I helped him drop out of college and helped him start businesses, and now he's one of, one of those 15. He systematized that. My friend will look at him and scoff with arrogance and say, there's no way good books could come out of that. There's no way, da, 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 there's no way. And what she didn't realize was that she was unconsciously being prideful and arrogant. And so these kinds of important personal reflections about what your inner humility is and admitting what you don't know, if there's a business that you're like shocked that it's making the money that it does, it deserves your fervent study. So what I just wanted to make sure I address is what's your inner humility? I got pretty successful quickly. Like before 30, I had hit sort of a pinnacle. And what I didn't realize was unconsciously, I became very arrogant and I stopped asking for help. 
So I lived at a plateau for a pretty long time. That one distinction alone of the 25 distinctions in the four levels of entrepreneurial growth could change the impact of the rest of your legacy, let alone switching from selling to being negative to selling to being a noble pursuit and actually having an embodied perspective of how noble it really is to sell. Do you have that that you could send over to me so that I can share it with my listeners? It'd be my pleasure. I mean, it's, it's included in my book. And then as a bonus for the book, you get a whole graphic sheet. It's not made to be kept secret. And like, if you look at like the self-identity of a beginner is what other people say about them. The self-identity of a minor leaguer is how other people respond to them. The self-identity of the major leaguer is the results they achieve. They are their results. And the self-identity of the all-star is I am here to serve. You look at a beginner and they fear rejection. They're like, no, because like, what if someone doesn't like what I'm doing? Their self-identity is focused on what other people say about them. If you go into the minor league and they go out and they run an advertisement and people start responding and attacking the advertisement. If you run an advertisement and people attack you, that only means one thing. That means you have missed the market with a wrong message and it's triggering them. And if they're angry, that just means you missed the market. So find a new market. The same message at the different market, people could praise you. I see, I've, I've watched it happen this week alone. Um, so, but the minor leaguer, if people respond with hatred towards your ad, then you're like, oh, crap, crap. I, I am what people say. I, I am how people respond. If you get to the major leaguer and you think you could be safe here, but you're like, look at the results I achieve. I got these results. But then that's actually quite vulnerable because if you don't have results, then you don't get to have much of an identity. And if you don't have any results, a lot of people can get, can get stuck at major league because they're like, you know what? I can't, I can't get in business yet because I don't have expertise. I can't get in business because I don't have any results to speak of. And then you get results and you get confident, but you're still vulnerable because it's about a result. Then you switch over to all-star where they're like, it doesn't matter if I have results. It doesn't matter what people say. And it doesn't matter how people respond. I am here to serve. It's quite a special chart. I love that. I think it, what you said earlier was really true. Everyone who is going to find success in business and in life, they have a coach of some kind. If you look at anybody, everyone has mentors. And I mean, we always hear that you got to surround yourself with people who, who bring you up. I was just reading a book called Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And he talks about that a lot. Don't surround yourself with people who encourage you to stay comfortable. Surround yourself with people who encourage you to get out of the comfort zone and who get on you when you aren't getting out of the comfort zone. That's what we really need. But because we want to stay comfortable, we shy away from those kind of relationships because we don't want to do anything to really stress ourselves out. Finding a coach that can help you or finding a mentor that can help you get to where you want to be is crucial, especially because you're not going to know what you don't know. You want a coach who's been where you've been and who has really accomplished what you want to do so that they can guide you that path. It doesn't even matter what you're trying to do, whether it be in business, whether it be in school, whether it be personally. I firmly believe that everyone should either, number one, go to therapy, like find a therapist and do that. Number two, find a life coach. Number three, find like a tutor if you're in school or a business coach or like an executive level coach. You just need someone in your life who's going to help you get over where you are right now and help you improve and get to that very next level in your life. 
I just want to jump in and get going and talking about failure there just with your business experience and in your life too. It doesn't even have to be business related. For you and your life personally, what would you consider to be your biggest failure? Oh, not loving people sooner. You know, not loving my customers the way I really wanted to. Not listening as much as I really wanted to. Not loving my friends or family as much as I wanted to. Loving my customer has proved to be very profitable. I went out and got a, a new car after I've been wanting it for like 10 years. And, and you know, I paid cash for it and it's a good feeling. And the day that I bought it, one of my businesses made nine grand in one day. And the reason that I was able to do that was because I really listened to what my customers were wanting. And my customers were clear as day with what they were asking for. All I had to do was ask. Uh, but it was scary to ask. So, you know, I, I asked them, you know, what, what do you want more than anything? And they'd say, oh, well, I really want to quit my job. I was like, there's three words, quit your job. Are you sure that's it? Like, oh yeah, I hate it. I just want to get out of my job. I was like, okay. So I went out and found a guy who had a business model that could be built really quickly. And I hired him to teach. I wasn't even the expert. I listened, I hired the expert and I give him a 20% profit split on the business. And then I go out and sell. And so I go out to these guys and say, Hey, I've got a method. You can make the guy that does it on a bad month. He makes 20 grand on a bad month on his good months. He makes $80,000 and it's a replicatable thing that anybody could do. He's a father with six kids. It's amazing. Like, and would you like to buy it for three grand? Yes. 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 And so I had three sales at $3,000 and it all happened in an automated fashion, but that didn't make three grand with my ego. I didn't make three grand by following some system to exploit and manipulate for profit. I just sat with a customer and loved them and said, Hey, what do you really want more than anything? And then like when he answered something that I didn't know how to do, I don't know how to get people to quit their job quick. I can build an entrepreneur, but that takes time. I don't know how to, the system to get somebody out of their job real quickly. I said, I don't know how to do this. But, you know, the failure that got me there was we tried teaching another business about how to teach people how to make $1,000 per month. Here's how to build a $1,000 per month business. And that business model works like this. I have a buddy of mine and he has a pop-up that shows up on a LASIK surgeon's website, a LASIK surgeon pop-up. And it says, are you a candidate for LASIK surgery? Take this quiz to find out. Because if your eyes are too dry or flat, or you have like astigmatism, you can't get LASIK. So are you candidate for LASIK quiz? They fill out the quiz. And um, this pop-up would capture like, you know, 10 new leads for every 100 visitors that visit the site that were not being captured before. 10 new leads for every 100 visitors. A LASIK appointment's like four grand. So he charged $400 a month for a pop-up. And to the beginner, they're like, oh my God, it's a pop-up. It's a product, the product, the product, the product. Oh, it's a product of pop-ups. No, no. When you graduate to like the all-star category, you see that it's about the result it provides. It's not about the product. So through a process, he had like 10 LASIK surgeons. He was making an extra four grand a month. So we taught that method. It turned out to be much more difficult to teach because it was still based on theory. So we technically failed that course and we sold it to like 50 students at like 1500 bucks. So we made 65, 70 grand, but we had 20 people get a pop-up on a site, but then the websites wouldn't have enough traffic or there's just a number of variables that caused the business to fail. So with that product not providing a result for those students, I was like, crap, I charged something and people aren't getting results with it. 
So I felt the failure of that. And I felt humiliated because I was like, crap, I did something that didn't work and people paid me money for it. So what I did is I went to more people and I asked what they really wanted. And then when they said that, I found an expert. And then everybody that bought that course, I gave them the $3,000 course for free. So I went out and found someone to solve the problem better for them. And this guy's, this guy's method reduces the risk because it doesn't have as many variables in place for it to be successful. I like what you said about asking your customers what they wanted the most. Because again, it goes back to what we started this on. You have to get inside your customers' minds. You have to know them better than they know themselves. Whether it be where they congregate, what they do with their life, what their hobbies are, what their demographics are, whatever it is there. And the best way to do that is not guess and check. It's to literally go out and ask them. And that's one thing that I've struggled in with my business myself, just because, again, I think everyone goes through it when they start. They think that they know all the answers themselves. And so we don't take advice from anyone else. We don't hire a coach. We don't ask our customers what they want. And so we just assume we know all that. But then once I started asking my customers, why are you getting my service? It's not to actually get window cleaning. Nobody cares about window cleaning. They care about the feelings that they get when their house is clean. They try to feel calm and comfortable like that, or they're trying to keep up with the Joneses, whatever it is. It's not window cleaning that they're solving there. That's not the problem. Dirty windows is not the problem. The problem is something that they have on the inside. And until I asked them why they were doing that, I was going about my business completely the wrong way. And honestly, I got lucky that I was having the success I was because I was just BSing everything and I had no idea. So now that I know why they're actually doing it, it makes it a lot easier to resonate with them with that message there. So are you cleaning the windows yourself? Have you hired that out yet? We have teams that go out and do that. And this is your business you own? Yep. It's a great business, man. You should be really proud. It's offline too. No one's going to compete with you there. You're in a good old ocean over here. The other thing is nobody's online either when it comes to window cleaning. This past like six months is when we realized how poorly designed the websites of service companies are and how poorly utilized the digital realm is there. And so We've been focusing on like our online reviews and doing all that stuff. And so I'm excited to just go and crush it this year with all that stuff. Would you be open to me pouring some marketing ideas into you for this? Go for it. Yes. Okay. This is an incredibly exciting endeavor. So first, we don't need to make up the copy, the copywriting. Copywriting means salesmanship and print. The copy goes in the advertisement for those of you guys listening. So online advertising is salesmanship and print. So tell me word for word, what your door-to-door script was that was most effective. I want to hear that. So I'd go and knock on the door and just be like, hey, how's it going? My name is Kyle. I'm here with Majestic Window Cleaning. We're actually here in the neighborhood the next couple of days taking care of your neighbors, the Joneses and the Johnsons. And if we can get you on our schedule while we're here already, then we've got an awesome deal that we can do that can save you a lot of money. It's just very, very simple there. So get your ad to say something very similar to that. We're going to be in your neighborhood cleaning windows for the next X days. If we clean your windows during this time frame, you can get a discount. The same thing as just an ad because that's what worked. Online advertisements are just little salesmen. When it comes to an online ad, you might like try to complicate it. You might try to be clever, but it's like, no, no, it's the same thing that you do in person. Yeah. Last year, we ran one ad last year for a week just to kind of try it out. We spent, I think it was $80 on the ad and all it was, was a picture, a random picture we had found online. And it was just of a squeegee coming across the window. And we ran that and just said, 
need your windows clean or something like that. It was literally very basic and straightforward. We spent 80 bucks and we made $2,000 on that ad. So it was insane. There's a lot of potential that we haven't tapped yet. And so I'm excited about that. But if you've got that ad that worked offline, that same one, I mean, people like need your windows clean is like, yeah, I don't, yes, I do. I don't need to think about that. That's why it's so simple. It's literally a yes or no. We don't have to convince very much. Yeah. So you're in a good, you're in territory. So in terms of your approach with this, I would think of yourself as a lead generation business. I would not think of yourself as a window cleaning business. So right now you may think of it, okay, I'm a window cleaning business. But if you start thinking of your business as a lead generation business for window cleaning customers, and you happen to fulfill the leads, think of it that way, you'll start switching your brain over and you'll start thinking about how to find, acquire, and convert leads. As a lead generation business, you'll be more systematic. You'll be more machine-like. You'll probably be a lot more profitable. Once you perfect this model for $80 into 2000 you can now target other window cleaners and say, hey, would you like to use the same system I use to turn $80 into 2000 And now you can sell information and advertising services to other window cleaners, and you could make an extra seven figures per year if you ran an ad for 80 bucks and it gave you two grand and you had a whole marketing portfolio of products that they could buy and run ads for, and they would make two grand from on one time running an ad, you can easily charge two grand for that because you're selling for the result. And then the only other ad I was thinking about that might be interesting to try is what do dirty windows say about your home? Because you know, you, they just trigger their identity. That's very exciting. What a great business you have. Well, thank you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's been kind of my personal case study in how to grow and run a business there. So I love it. I want to hear about some of your business failures because you've said you've had about 10 businesses, maybe more that have just not done well and that have failed. Yeah, I failed one last year I could tell you about. Yeah, tell me about that. So last year, um, I built a software product. It's called myagentbase.com. As a SaaS business, and I built it like I build most of my successful products. We have a customer that really wants it, so we build it for them, and then we scale it to other people. You know, much like you would do window cleaning. Oh, one person, one house wants to clean their home. Oh, now two, now three, now now a hundred. Now I need a team of five. That's how I build my software businesses. We build the product for one person, and then we scale it one person at a time. It works really, really well. And software is my favorite business because you work once and get paid forever if you do it right. So um, we build my agent base and I hire a developer and I structure the deal with incredible strategy, um, you know, and I get the product built, quote unquote, for free in exchange for a 50% revenue split or profit split. So I have a customer, the customer asks for the product, I find the developer, I get the idea, I get the product built, I do nothing, I own it. Except my heart wasn't in the business and your heart really needs to be in what you're doing. And so since my heart wasn't in the business, it just never really got the chance to take off. So instead of being a $30,000 per month additional income stream, it's a $12,000 per year income stream. So we have 10 customers, 10 customers that all pay 1200 bucks, which is 12 grand a year, which, hey, it's great. It's an extra 10 grand, 12 grand a year. After server expenses and everything, it's probably going to be 10 grand or 11 grand profit. And then I'll give a little bit of that profit to the developer. But I ended up losing $36,000 on it because I paid the developer three grand a month to cover his living expenses. And then he would pay me that money back when the business made money. Since my heart wasn't in it, it didn't take off. You'll always be successful at something you put your full heart into. You don't need to fear failure. Just see where your heart's at. And if you can get 100% of your heart in, it will flourish. So, but I'm 36 and I had to spend 36 grand over the last year 
learning this mistake and I'll make 12 grand. So after three or four years, I'll maybe make my money back. But I had to spend 36 grand in a year's worth of frustration to quote fail, to experientially learn the lesson, make sure my heart's all the way in. Don't do anything half-ass. I'm kind of half-sees. I've got a partner's kind of half-sees. Maybe it'll happen when it happens. Yeah, no, run, run away. And I have experiential awareness around that. But the product works. It's great. It's beautiful. Myagentbase.com is gorgeously designed. And my developer actually sent me an email today about wanting to try and grow it himself. So, you know, we'll see how it goes. But that I consider it a failure because I really hurt that developer because the developer was all in and I wasn't. And so at the end of the year, I said, man, I'm trying to get my heart to get an all in this on this and I can't. And it's really causing me to be angry at you. And because, but I'm not angry at you. I'm angry at myself because my heart's not in it. So I tell you what, you keep all the money I've given you. You don't have to pay it back and consider it my apology for not being all in when you were. You see, I bring quite a bit of integrity to these deals because I didn't always have integrity. And I got really burned for that. I had to learn not having integrity the hard way. That was actually one of my biggest failures. I stole a sales letter from Ramit Sethi and I copied it for one of our programs. And we took like probably the first 15% of the letter, almost word for word, switched a few things out. And then we kind of pit transitioned to our own, if I remember correctly, but I still stole it. And Ramit emailed me and he said, what are you doing? You're using my letter. And so we pulled it down within one business day and we apologized profusely. We're like, crap, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And then I went through a integrity scan through the rest of my life because that was the greatest mistake I ever made. Because I lost mentors. I lost respect. I lost my connection with Ramit. And then five years later, he publicly bashed me in front of everyone. And then the whole internet heard about it. And that really damaged me for a while. And I really thought I was a piece of crap for what I had done. But then I realized I'd always thought I was a piece of crap and this was just activating that. So I got a chance to heal it. Um, In my book that's coming out, I have a full chapter on how to learn from mistakes, losses, and low integrity moments. And I have my full apology to remit in there because I really screwed up. So integrity is something that's now incredibly important to me. Um, I want to make sure everyone's always happy and taken care of. So when you look back on that experience, just with going through that, stealing his copy and using that for your business, obviously you got burned because he came out and said what you had done. So that destroyed those relationships and stuff. But how do you bounce back from that? How do you not let that just define who you are and be like, oh, I am a piece of crap. Therefore, I'm always going to be a piece of crap. I was furious that it happened. I was furious that I was attacked publicly and I understood also why he did it. And I forgive him for doing it. And I can relate to his anger because we we both spoke on stage at the same event, like a week before he found out about that. And I didn't think much of it because, you know, in sales letters, you're like, swipe and deploy, swipe and deploy, copy this, copy that. It's like my top mentors were just like, take great sales letters and copy them. I'm like, okay, great. And then this doesn't seem right, but okay. You know, and then like, oh, it's not good. Don't do it. And it's a long story short, I felt terrible. I was depressed for two weeks, solid two weeks. And I have been still timid to venture back out into the circles that he runs in. And so in big part, the book that I'm releasing is a way for me to apologize to him, apologize to the people that that I hurt that found out about this and establish myself as a trusted uh, advisor to how to start a business. So the book played a really big part in the apology and making sure the the voice. So that, that was a very significant thing. But that's an action I took. The thing that moved the needle the most was to process the very real felt shame 
and the sorrow that I felt by being attacked, but also by stealing from a peer and recognizing how scared and insecure and unconfident that I was. You can't be confident and do things like that. You you can say you're confident, but look at the action. Look at my actions. You know, I'm really nervous right now. I appreciate you asking the question. The shortest answer here is that the only thing that matters, in my opinion, is what I think about myself, not what other people think about me. And if I think that I'm a piece of garbage and then someone attacks me in public and I don't know who I am on a thought form, I might start to believe the person that attacks me. And then I might think it's the person attacking me that's the problem. But because I've done enough reflection, I can see that the only thing that truly matters is what I think about myself. My yoga mentor is like, he's a dream come true as a man. And he was out at a bar. He doesn't like going there, but his girl, his fiance was wanted to go party. And so he went out and a guy hit on his girl at the bar here and she was not comfortable. And he's a big dude, the, the guy hitting on the girl. My yoga teacher, Matthew, like saw his, his fiance was uncomfortable. So he kind of edged in between the guy and the girl. And the guy was not happy about this. And he said, you piece of crap. There's no way you could sexually take care of a woman like that. There's no way you could provide for a woman like that. There's no way she could ever get any satisfaction from being with you and just pours on the attacks. Worse than what I think I received online in front of the woman that he loves, in front of the woman he proposed to, attacked viciously by this guy. He doesn't even flinch because he knows who he knows who he is. And the guy starts seeing that he's unaffected. So he ups the ante and he says, you piece of crap, I'll kill you. I'll go to prison. I don't care. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. I'll kill like threaten like this, this hand in his face. Matthew looks at the guy, just stares at him. And he says to the man, what's going on, dude? Why are you hurting so bad? And the guy just went from this to crying in tears, saying that he feels like he's screwed up his life and he's not happy. And then he actually turned someone who attacked him into a friend. And they ended up doing some drinks together. He bought them shots and he turned a vicious animal into a kind man. That's to me, like the most epic vision of a masculine love is to love the man that attacks you. So when I heard about that, I was like, but did did you want to hit him? Like, did any part of you want to hit him? And he's like, man, I don't ever want to hurt anyone. And this guy had a 16 year old mother who had him when she was 16. She was a heroin addict. And he actually watched his own friends get murdered. He has every right to be upset every right to be angry. And he has healed so deeply on a soul level. So when I found him, I was like, I want to study under you. And he's maybe 31 or 32. I'm 36. Age doesn't matter. So because he knew who he was, he knew who he was without having to force it. When someone attacked him profusely and in front of a woman he loved, he was just calm as can be. So I advise everyone to all, all of us, and myself included, to always reflect on what are we thinking about ourselves in this moment? And if you're thinking something negative about yourself, it's very normal. You know, I struggle with feeling inadequate. I sometimes struggle with depression. I sometimes struggle with feeling really ugly. And I sometimes struggle with feeling fat, any of these things. And when these thoughts come up, the next and most important part is so critical is to see if you believe it or not. Because the thoughts will only hold weight if we choose to believe them. If we think that we're not enough for like unworthy, for example, if we believe that thought, that we're unworthy. We might try to build an even bigger business. To overcompensate. Yeah, to overcompensate. And what actually ends up happening is you reinforce the unworthiness because that's not how the unworthiness heals. The unworthiness heals by you befriending it and letting it know that it's okay that it's there. 
It doesn't work by deleting it. It doesn't work by changing it. It doesn't work by upgrading it. It certainly doesn't work through achievement. The way that unworthiness is healed is in this moment, you feel it. If you want the worst thing to come up, like the worst thing that you think about yourself to come up, just do nothing. Sit still and breathe and do nothing. The worst thing will come right up. And then you just make friends with that and say, it's totally okay that you're here. And so now the next time the feeling of worthlessness comes through, you're like, oh, I remember that feeling, but it's not personal. So by learning who I was, by writing a book and forming a public apology, not for Ramit, maybe he sees it, maybe he doesn't, but just just for me to show people how seriously I take. I love that point right there because you can kind of do a study with your friend or with yourself. When they feel insecure or when you feel insecure, when something is perceived as a threat, you lash out, you lash back at that other person. That guy, he viewed your friend as the threat standing between him and that girl. So he lashed out, but your friend didn't view him as a threat. So he was able to just calmly accept all of that. You, when you realized that you had messed up there, you viewed Ramit coming at you and going out and speaking out in public as a threat. And so you were really mad. But then once you finally were able to recognize, number one, it's okay to make mistakes. We all make mistakes. We're not perfect. But the worst thing that we can do is blame someone else or try and justify our mistakes. Just accept it. We messed up, accept that, and then we can move on and grow from it. So I think that's a really good, crucial point that everyone needs to recognize there is we lash out usually not because of what someone else is doing, but because of how we're feeling on the inside. And the thing that we need to do the most that we hate to do is sit in that pain, sit in that discomfort Mm -hmm. of recognizing what we've done wrong, but it's what we need to do to heal. And it's literally the only way that we can heal. And if we don't ever do that, we're just going to be stuck and we're just going to keep justifying it. We're going to keep blaming everyone else and we're never going to go anywhere because we don't accept accountability for anything that happened in our life. And it's just going to become a habit that happens with everything that goes wrong in our lives. So if you want to improve your life, sit in your failure, bask in it, learn from it, and then recognize that's not who you are. There's a difference between I have failed and I am a failure. And you need to know the difference because that is huge. Failing is not a bad thing, but believing you're a failure is because nobody's a failure. We just all make mistakes, but everyone has the same potential to be able to grow and overcome those mistakes and become exactly what you view yourself as in the future there. So I think that's awesome. I appreciate you opening up and sharing those stories about yourself and about your friend. Just to wrap up here, I want to jump into our lightning round. So I just have a couple of questions that I love to ask everyone because they're some of my favorite questions. So the first one is, what is your biggest fear? First off, I mean, just thank you for sharing that reflection. Um, being unloved. Why do you feel like that's your biggest fear? Because I don't yet fully love myself. I love the rawness and the vulnerability there. I think that's true. I'm still working on that myself too. You know, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger is supposedly one of the best bodybuilders of our, of our time because he didn't work out from a place of incompleteness. He worked out from a place of joy and happiness. And it actually shows up in his muscle tone, his definition, versus a lot of the bodybuilders go into the gym and they go into the gym to fix something because they feel like something's incomplete. 
Arnold Schwarzenegger literally worked out from a place. Like he was excited to do his next thousand crunches. He was smiling in the gym, working out. Happiness is freaking amazing. Arnold Schwarzenegger looked real good because he worked out real hard. A lot of people worked out real hard. What separated him is he was happy while he was doing it. My second question is, what would you say is your personal definition of failure? Oh, man. The answers come right away, and I want it to be something else. Not loving myself would be a personal definition of failure. In terms of business, it would be self-sabotaging my own vision because I don't believe in my greatness enough. In uh, my friendships, it would be not reaching out to ask how they're doing because I'm afraid of them seeing my heart. So stuff like that. Those are good examples. I love it. So the next question that I have is, what is one of your personal habits that you do every day that contributes to your success? What's your answer for that? For me, it's reading. I love reading so much. So I spend at least half an hour. I try to get an hour in a day of just reading. I've got the goal to read a book a week this year. And so I am really pushing myself with that. So far, so good. I've read seven books already. So I'm on pace, but that's my thing that I do. That's really good. Rip apart my own psyche. So just looking inside yourself. Yes. Okay. Self-evaluation. Yeah. But like ripping into it. Mm -hmm. Like the subtlest dynamics. Like, oh, that person like didn't smile at me in yoga. And now I don't feel good about myself. Why am I prescribing how I feel if a person smiles at me or not? Let's look at that. Oh, a customer didn't want to buy my product. Why do I feel angry? Oh, crap. I'm not serving them. I'm trying to get a result. I think that's really important. That's what everyone should do every day is just take personal inventory of where we are at mentally and emotionally and figure out why we're that way. And then we can overcome it because we can't do anything unless we know what challenges we're facing. The next question that I have is what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received in your life? Everything's going to be all right. Just as simple as that. There's no need to expound on it because that's the truth. Even the worst things in the world, even the worst day in the world passes. And then it's a new day and you can do whatever you want. Then the last question, and I already touched on this. I I love reading, so I love books. So I'm always curious to hear what is your favorite book and why? So I've got a a URL set up on a page uh, that has all the books that I recommend. It's... um, startfromzero.com forward slash books. And it's the books you'd read if you want to get good at sales, books of starting a business, books at managing, books at running. And it's the really good books, startfromzero.com forward slash books. The book that sits next to my computer, which is also on that page is a book called Business Model Generation. And this is such a phenomenal book. Um, it's, it's done in visual image form. Um, they have, there's a company called Strategizer. They have business model generation, testing business ideas, value proposition design. Their next book coming out is called The Invincible Company. And they're just so good at marketing and so good at branding. And they have a huge following that's growing every day. And their books have provided the greatest feeling of certainty of any business book I've ever read, except for the one that I have coming out. Our listeners should definitely go and check that out once it comes out. When does your book come out? It, well, March 31st this year, whenever I've made this may come if this comes out around that time. Um, but um, I don't necessarily want people to buy the book unless they know they're going to read it. So I don't want to have the best selling book. I'm not like, I'm not after that. What I am after is the most read book. I mean, best selling is cool, but like if 10,000 books get bought, but only 500 get read, no thanks. I've got an excerpt for your listeners, a special URL just for guys listening, very special URLs. Startfromzero.com forward slash fail. And if they go to that, they can get a book excerpt for free 
Um, no email capture required. Check the excerpt out. If you do like the excerpt, then please do pick up the book that mean the world to us. I'll put a link for all that stuff in the description of this podcast episode so that if you're listening right now, you can just go there and check it out and it'll take you right there. So before we wrap up here, I just want a chance for our listeners to be able to connect with you if they've resonated with you at all. Obviously, you've said your website is startfromzero.com, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is definitely the best place because we've got a we've got a podcast there, and I, people can watch me mentor others from scratch. So people come on the calls, and I re, I tell them exactly what to do to make money, um, and then I record those conversations, and then we edit them down to like the best parts. And this, people are binging the podcast. They're like, "It's what I am on Europe. I'm binging this podcast because we've put so much into it, and there's nothing like it where you know you can go and listen to people get mentored over and over again on how to make money." while being authentic. So, I mean, that's a good place to connect with me. There's contact information riddled throughout the podcast. And I would say startfromzero.com would be a wonderful place to go. Great. Sounds good. Yeah. Go check it out. He's an awesome guy. I've really enjoyed talking with you today, Dane. So thanks again for being on here. Thank you. My pleasure. Okay. Really quick before checking out here, I just wanted to come on again and say thank you so much, Fail Nation, for making this show what it has become. It's honestly been one of my favorite things that I've done in my life, mainly because I get to connect with you guys. The last thing is, if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a rating and a review. That is what really helps spread the word. And I've got big plans for the year 2020 on this podcast. So I really want to get as many people listening as possible. I look forward to sharing our new podcast episode with you next week. And until then, keep failing your way towards achieving your dreams.